I think it's fitting that my first piece of work that I do as your pastor is to read to you a scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But he said, I didn't call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. Then the Lord again called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I doubt I am... Uh, any different than many of us today who maybe grew up a little bit afraid of the dark, maybe you were, maybe not, although I don't recall ever having to have the light on at night. I grew up in the countryside just down the road in Simpson County, and I can remember sleeping with windows open at this time of the year. The sounds of the tree frogs and the cicadas would fill the night, and I must confess that at the time, those sounds in the midst of night could sound a little bit more like scary screams than the echo and the chorus of nature that I hear today. The yelps of coyotes that I heard growing up in the distance, well, they could be haunting. And the flashes of lightning from impending storms, much like last night, perhaps, could always cast suspect shadows on the walls of my bedroom. Now, the fear of the dark is something that perhaps that we're taught we say things like, it's getting dark now, so it's time to go into the house. We grow up hearing that we ought to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. We have a metaphor that we often say that, well, I feel like I'm being kept in the dark when we do not know or when we feel that something is being withheld from us. We get uncomfortable with our not knowing, don't we? Not knowing what lies ahead, not knowing what is happening in our midst. And this can apply to what it feels like to go through transitions. What are the days ahead going to hold? What's it going to be like? Today I'm thinking about those who have lived under the fear of unemployment, or maybe the fear of losing their job in our realities these days. That's the moment when we no longer feel certain about our futures, when our working wage seems to be in doubt. I'm thinking about those today who are waiting for news from the doctor or who have received such news 
that maybe they did not want to hear. I'm thinking about being the church these days when it seems that so many things seem to be changing and we are wondering how can we do, what should we do, how can we still be the church in such a changing world. But I'm also thinking about that family who just adopted or has a new birth in the family. I'm thinking about that couple that was recently married or the many of you who have graduated in recent weeks. These are moments of celebration and joy. Even so, they prompt us as well to wonder what is the future going to hold? Am I going to be a good parent? When am I going to fail at that? And well, am I going to get the job now that I have an education? Even the good things can be filled with wonder, even doubts. Transitions in life that come to us often fill us with expecting hope. Leave us wondering what's ahead. So I want to propose today that such times, such feelings, such moments of not knowing, sometimes described as the darkness, well, they can actually be our companion. They can be our helper. They can be our teacher, our friend. Think about all the rich stories we have in the, in the Bible, stories where God's people must trust God to keep them moving forward even though they can't see what is ahead. They don't know what to expect. What can we, to paraphrase the words of Barbara Brown Taylor, what can we learn in the darkness? What can we learn when we don't have the light? How can we make friends with not knowing? How can it revive our souls, give us new directions, teach us that when we encounter darkness and uncertainty, that we can still anticipate. We can anticipate God showing up and God continuing to speak. Speaking of the middle of the night, have you ever gotten out of the bed and noticed what it feels like to walk around your house in the middle of the night? It's kind of an awkward thing, isn't it? When I wake up in the middle of the night, I, I try to walk quietly because I don't want to wake up anyone in the house, especially a dog who might want me to take her out. <laughs> I walk more gingerly so as not to stub my toe or to trip over that thing that I left in the floor and sends me flying across the floor. I hold my arms out and I feel for things that I know should be there to guide me to where I'm going. And there's this quietness in the middle of night that you don't experience at any other time of the day. So I often wonder, did Samuel have to make his way to Eli like this in the dark of night? When he kept going back and forth to Eli, did he have to be careful not to stumble? Did he hold on to things that would guide him? Because that's kind of what I do when I face transitions. I try to hold on to what I know. I try to find my way forward even though I can't see what's in front of me, and I know that you have as well in life. Now, while Eli sleeps, Samuel, we're told, is lying down where he usually lays. He's tending to the light of the Lord. And the light was dim, but it was not out. And then Samuel hears a voice in this dim light, and he assumes that it's Eli speaking to him. And we know that it's God. But we read that he did not yet know the Lord. He could not recognize the Lord's voice yet. So back and forth he goes to Eli, his friend, his companion, his teacher, in this silent and in this dim hour, trying to figure out 
Who keeps waking me up? Now this, of course, is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for what Israel is facing at this point in history. It's a time when God had not been heard very often. It has been a time where darkness hovered over Israel and not knowing, but on this night, something changes. It's a pivotal story that ultimately leads us towards David as king over Israel. And it's a pragmatic story. It's to address anyone who questions that David was or was not divinely called by God. And it marks a transition for Israel, being led by judges towards being a monarchy, led by those named Saul and David and Solomon as the most famous. Saul is currently king, and Eli was supposed to be God's voice to Saul, but you see, Eli has been failing at his task. He's been unable to hear God, so Saul and Eli's sons have been misguided, and they have done harm. They haven't been held accountable. And then when Samuel hears God and speaks four times in the darkness, it's meant to remind us that something's happening, something's changing. The first three times Samuel stumbles to Eli, Eli thinks he's hearing things. Maybe he thought he ate something he shouldn't before he goes to bed. So he sends him back. But after this fourth time, he recognizes, after the third time rather, he recognized something's happening here. Something's changing. Maybe Eli has not heard God himself in a while, but he remembers perhaps the days when he could, when he could hear. And now even if not through him, he senses that God is speaking again and is to be heeded. And I can only wonder, but this must have been difficult for Eli. He must have wondered. He must have had just enough pride as anyone would have. Well, well why isn't God speaking through me? This is my office. This is, this is my call. But if we keep reading, we see that the judgment against Eli is difficult. It's harsh. And Saul and his sons had not been led by him. Samuel because he loved Eli, will hear this harsh message, and he will be reluctant to share this with Eli. But again, Eli remembers God enough, remembers that voice enough to know that this is the Lord. And let God do what is good in God's eyes. And maybe there was some part of Eli deep down that was pleased. Pleased to know that the silence had been broken. Pleased to know that God was speaking. Maybe he remembered God delivering Israel before. Whatever he's contemplating, on this night, God breaks a long silence and he calls to Samuel. But you see, Samuel still needs Eli. Eli does have a part today. As the narrator of 1 Samuel conveys to us, the lamp of God is never fully put out. Even in the darkness of night, even in our failures, in the midst of change, in the sanctuaries where God is God's light is to be tended to. God speaks, piercing the silent darkness with the word that we do have a future, even if we can't see it. And likewise, I believe God speaks into the unknowing, into the transitions, and even to the darknesses that we face. You see, Eli did not hear God speak, but he knew that it was God speaking. Samuel hears God speak, but he did not know what he was listening to. And maybe the grace of this story is that they needed each other. 
They needed each other to discern God's intent. Likewise, maybe the purpose of this story is to convey to us that we deeply need each other to discern God's voice, to see that there is no depth to which God cannot reach us, restore us, and lead us again. Now, sometimes as a pastor, as a friend, as a parent, I get asked questions like, well, what do you think I need to do? Or what does God want me to do, pastor? Well, to such questions, I have come to know exactly what I need to say. I know the answer to that question, and it's this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. I am like everyone else. I feel the need to have the right answers. I never want to lead people astray. I don't want to leave friends hanging out there. I want to be a shepherd whose voice can be understood and trusted and familiar. I want to help you and me face hard realities. I feel like that's what I'm called to. But one thing I've learned over the years and have from time to time forgotten, I do not have all the answers. But I also know that I do not have to have all the answers. I feel as though I am at my best when I and I can help you and me to listen, to listen to God speak. And for this reason, I cannot understand the church without seeing it as community. We need each other. We need each other in this church. We need each other in this community. And we need one another in this world, intimately so. God calls us into community, koinonia, and it's in community that God speaks in and out of us. And in community, we create fellowship. We offer joint participation. We share anything we can to the good of the community. And when we do, when we do this, we become the embodiment and the presence of the body of Christ. Just as Samuel needed Eli, just as Eli still needed Samuel, we need each other. And I know this to be true for myself, that if I have ever heard God speak, it's because of, them with, because of those with whom I am in community with. The people who have been my best teachers and mentors and guides and pastors and spiritual friends over these years have never told me what to do. Instead, they have prayed with me they have struggled with me. They have cried with me. They have lived in community with me, studied the word, and always encouraging me and one another to pay attention to God's desires. It's the kind of pastor I want to be. It's the kind of friend I want to be. It's the kind of parent I want to be. This church building has been through renovations, additions, and remodels for two centuries yet always for the purpose of community. It's a place where God speaks through worship. It's a place where God speaks through teaching and fellowship, ministry to refugees, mission work, the hungry, feeding the hungry, and the aging and the youthful are tended to. And in community, you've been able to discern God speaking into the lives of one another and those that you have sent out into ministry. On July 12th, in two weeks, Reverend Sarah K. Cox will be here to preach for you because you identified God working in her life. You helped her discern that God spoke to her. 
And I'm just one of a long line of pastors who have been called to lead and preach this church. But it is God who has consistently and always spoken. I cannot know what the future holds for us, but I am fully convinced that by the quality of which we love one another, by the way for which we are community with heads, hands, hearts, and feet, that is what will always define us. It is what's gotten us to this place that we are today. And it remains true during times of social distancing. It remains true even when we do not agree on matters that want to split us in the nation and within the church. We need each other, whether we are different, or alike, right, or left, saint, or sinner, rich, or poor, refugee, or citizen. During good times and difficult times, when we forget this, it gets harder. But God never stops speaking. The light is never fully out. Once Eli recognized that God was speaking to Samuel, he offers him the wisest and the simplest advice. Go lie down and listen. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In other words, here I am. I give you my full attention. But what I love that it said later on is not only does God speak, but God also listens to us. In verse 29, we read that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Likewise, we are community when we refuse to let fall to the ground the words of the cries and the joys and the laments of one another. We are at our best when we choose to sit with each other, to hear each other, and to value the experiences of this community in all its beautiful diversity. I recall a day when someone I admired deeply called and said he'd like to have coffee. Now we had gotten to know each other over the years and trust had built. And I don't recall what we were talking about, but it really doesn't matter because I remember at one point in the conversation he says to me, I don't have much faith today. I needed to sit with someone who has a little bit more faith than I do right now. And I asked him what he meant by that. He says, well, I've learned that sometimes the best thing that we can do for each other is to share the faith we have when those we love most can't seem to find theirs. In short, he's asking me if I might be his Samuel. I'd never forgotten that moment. And it's proven true time and again. Today, if you feel a bit like Eli... If it's been a while or if it's not been easy to hear God speak, reach out to your Samuel. Today, if you feel a bit like Samuel, if God has been speaking a good word into your hearts, share it. Share it with someone who truly needs to know that God is speaking a good word today. Be there, Samuel. Friends, we are never complete when we live in isolation or when we focus on our personal faith. Our fellowship and our connection to one another, it defines, it shapes, it guides our very existence, and it will define our future. Never should we deny our, the value of the individual. But the best way to celebrate who we each are is to give ourselves fully to this community that we call the church, the body of Christ, and has led us thus far along the way. Today, I prayerfully give myself to God in this church and I pray that we will continue to give ourselves to God and one another. So, here I am, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Speak, for your servants are listening.
Thanks be to God. Amen.